We are now joined by former Mountain Valley football coach uh, Jim Elwood. Jim, thanks a ton for taking a few minutes to uh, to join me this morning. Um, first of all, not even in the classroom anymore. You're uh, kind of a dean of students type deal. How, how are you liking that? I love that a lot. Actually, uh, it gives me a chance to work with a different type of population. Uh, kids who need a little help getting their life in order so they can do their schoolwork. Uh, keeps me busy, keeps me happy, and uh, I find it really rewarding. It's good. I thought I, when I emailed you, I said, well, you can probably meet in your classroom. And I'm like, oh, wait, he doesn't even have a classroom anymore. Yeah. Well, kind of, but in office. Yeah. So let's go on to football here. Um, a lot of people said that they always thought that you were meant to be a coach. They could just tell. They learned a ton from you. Um, at what point growing up did you know you wanted to coach football? Oh, God. I just as a little kid, even when I was eight years old and I was supposed to go upstairs and do homework, I'd take paper out and I'd draw plays. And <laughs> I wanted to be Tom Landry when I was eight years old. Most kids have a favorite player. I wanted to be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and I got into coaching really young, actually. I was uh, coaching youth baseball when I was in high school. I was coaching little league teams. And I just always loved coaching. And uh, it's just something that I found rewarding. So let's talk about your, uh, your coaching pedigree a little bit. Um, from a football standpoint, high school level, what year did you start? Where did you start? What other jobs did you have before getting to Mountain Valley for 25-plus years? Okay. Actually, my first uh, coaching job was at Oak Hill High School. Uh, I was at Oak Hill for three years, uh, first two unpaid. In fact, my first two years, I never saw Oak Hill play because they always sent me scouting the same day. <laughs> I'd always got to see the last game of the year. And then my third year at Oak Hill, I... Uh, was elevated to actually got to go to the games and uh, and I used that as a springboard to become the head coach at Mount uh, Mexico High School in 1987. Um, I did such a good job there they closed the school down and uh, I applied for the job at Mount Valley High School and got that and spent 25 years in what I thought was the best job anyone could have. So when you were at Oak Hill was, uh, was Dave Wing there? Do you have anything to do with that? Dave was the principal. Okay. Dave, uh, he works with me with the radio a lot. So. Yeah, Dave was the principal. Um, actually, I worked with a guy named Jeff Sturgis, who I think became an administrator at Levitt afterwards. Uh, real classy gentleman. Uh, taught me a lot and uh, gave me my first coaching opportunity. So, you had said you went from Oak Hill and you uh, ended up taking over at Mexico. Yeah. Uh, started off, uh, was a little rough at Mexico. Uh, talk about those years. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, so, to be honest, uh, one year our best player was an eighth grader and he wasn't allowed to play varsity football, so that was kind of tough. Uh, we had like 20, 25 kids. Uh, we were real small. I remember a lot of times going in at halftime of games and changing uniforms and putting back numbers on linemen because we just would run out of bodies. Um, you know, Coach Casey was a kid who played uh, for me as a freshman. He started both ways. We had five two-way starters that were freshmen. He had said that. Uh, when I was coaching at Mexico, which is a recipe for disaster. Uh, the poor kids. And uh, But we had a lot of fun. We worked hard. Uh, it was back in the day where I could still put a helmet on and practice with them because we needed <laughs> me to do it. Um, and it was great. I just, I loved it. I loved everything about it. It was really weird because I graduated from Rumford and my mother was the happiest woman in the world when I took over at Mexico High School because she was a proud Pinto. So when you applied for the Mount Valley job when the both towns came together as one, mm -hmm. were you the head coach at Mexico then? I was you, the head you coach. You were the, okay. Yep. So yep. I had thought that it was somebody else. And so what do you think, you applied for that job, I'm assuming 
There must have been quite a few applicants. Oh, there were, and actually, I just wanted, I would have been happy to be an assistant, Um, but I guess, you know, when you, I don't know, I was young and enthusiastic, and maybe they thought I was moldable. Uh, For whatever reason, they decided to take a risk on me, and so to pay them back, I I, I worked my tail off. Of course, Rutherford, Mexico, bringing those two towns together at one couldn't have been easy. From a football standpoint, did you face any challenges? Um, I think it was worse for the fans than it was for yeah. the kids. I mean, the kids became instant friends. I mean, Swift River is not, it's not like the Mississippi River. You don't, <laughs> you, you cross over the bridge. They actually have a bridge that does that. And so the kids became friends instantly. Uh, the parents, you know, and same with in basketball that first year, they would sit in the stands and this kid's played more than this kid and this kid's from Mexico and he coached. I didn't listen to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I was raised a Rumford Panther. I was coaching at Mexico High School. Um, I just wanted the kids to have up. Both both schools were terrible the year before in football. I just wanted to see kids succeed. So I was going to ask this question later on, but you kind of led me into it, so I'm going to ask it now. Um, obviously, not mentioning any names or anything, a former coach told me that during that first year at Mountain Valley, there was a parent that wanted to meet you in the Obershaw parking lot to fight because he didn't <laughs> think his kid was getting enough carries. Yeah, uh, the first year was really tough, actually. I mean, we had kids who had started at one school or the other who were then subs the next year. I mean, it was there were hard feelings mm-hmm. at first, and then something weird happened. We started winning. And uh, I remember that first year we played a Western Maine championship game at Hosmer Field which had probably been so many years before any kind of game that magnitude had been played there. And I bet you there were 5,000 people mm. there that day. It was just mobbed. It, and I think the winning took care of everything. And I think, um, I know basketball season, again, right. same political type of problem, but the problems were never with the kids. It was outside. It was outside noise to us. Because, yeah. of course, I mean, talent does help when you mold them together but yeah. the team still has to trust each other and they have to respect the coaching yeah. staff yeah and the kids and the kids were great they, they accepted each other uh, they accepted their roles and again the, the, the noise and the distractions were not in the locker room they were behind us so pretty much instant success I'll call it when you when you got to Mount Valley uh, many regional final appearances you went to three state championships between 89 and 04 if mm-hmm. I'm right with that yeah. Um, never won the big one in those 15 years. No. At any point leading up to 04, did you ever feel any added pressure when it got to the end of the year, or did you just take it a year-by-year basis? Or When I was really young, I felt pressure. Um, because when you're young, you're selfish. <laughs> right. The older I got, and the more we kept knocking on the door and couldn't kick it down, uh, I started to realize it really wasn't about me. It was about the kids, and I just really wanted to. I got tired of it. seemed like every year ended in the big game with a tough loss. And uh, I got tired of watching kids have to walk away, with, you know, feeling defeated after they had done so much good up to that one day. And uh, it was frustrating more than anything else. Coach LaPointe was uh, talking about the 94 state game. Um, I believe that was Orono. Yep. Um, he said that at halftime, the score was 18-12. to 12. It should have been 18-0, but he said Steve Gonzalez made a couple yeah, great plays. Sure did. And he said at halftime, you guys just knew that they're either going to go around the outside or they're going to go up the middle, and you couldn't stop both of them. Yeah. How many times in your career did you just know that this is going to be tough? And uh, that game. Yeah, we couldn't. <laughs> Actually, at halftime, I think the conversation was, do we want to get beat running up the middle or out on the outside because we can't stop both? So which one do you want to get? How do you want to lose? Um yeah, that's tough. I know there was one year, uh, my last year at Mountain Valley, which 
uh, we were really young. I was starting freshman. We went down to Levitt, and they were so good that year. And, oh, my God, we I knew two minutes into that game that I was going to have to protect kids more than worry about right. <laughs> worry about trying to win a game. Uh, that was not a great experience, and it kind of led me to believe that a lot of schools that played us had the same same thing happen to them at our hands. So uh, what goes around comes around. Right, yeah. So and getting to 04, um, you started the year off uh, rough. You got pummeled down to York week one. Yes, we did. That was a story that happened after the game. We're going to get to that later because okay. that's probably my favorite story of all. But, okay. Um, and then you ran the table, right? Yeah, we ran the table. And yeah. uh, what were your thoughts after week one and that happening where you're like, was the season going to go like you thought it was? Were you worried? Because I think that was your Gorham was tough too, right? Gorham was very good. Uh, actually, we should have never beat Gorham. Um, we just started slow. Kids, it, it was a really weird uh, team. We There were great kids character-wise. Every one of them was 5'9", 165 pounds. Every single kid. They all had the same skill set. And uh, after that first week, I just felt like we weren't going to be explosive enough. But then those kids wanted to learn to play team defense. And, and, you know, Coach Casey did a great job with them. We worked so hard on our team defense that year. And I think that might have been the best defensive team I ever coached. I don't think it was statistically. But the sum of the parts was just amazing. And, uh, and then once we beat Gorham up in Rumford week three, a uh, game we should have never won, uh, everything just fell into place for us. It was great. So you had uh, – that was – Gorman featured double wing, right? And yes, uh, If they I remember did. correctly, you guys spent a ton of time studying yep. that and making sure. Yep, that's um, where we learned how to practice without a football, which I think is one of the best <laughs> coaching moves we ever. People would say, how do you do that? Well, we just pretended there was no ball. <laughs> so I'll bring you back to that regional final game. What were you feeling? What were your thoughts? when the Because uh, Gorm had the ball. With the clock running out. With the clock running out, the ball got tipped around the end zone. I believe it was Corey Stairs who knocked it down. Yeah. Just a sigh of relief, like, here we go. We finally we, uh, we got by Gorm, and we shouldn't have been. It was amazing, actually. Because coming out of the crow's nest, I don't think Ricky hit a step on the way down. No. Um, <laughs> I actually started running. And I kind of, like, ran around the field. It was like the Jim Valvano uh, thing. <laughs> I started running around the stadium. I realized Not I was over on the Gorm side of the field for a while. And I look over, and all the kids are celebrating in the end zone. I figured I should go over and join them. <laughs> No, you won the state championship in 04, 07, yep. and, and 2010. Yep. Now, obviously, aside from the office of winning the state championship, out of all those three teams, is there anything that – what sticks out in your mind about each team that was really, really special? Um, I think the team with, with, with Stairs and Lebowskis and Travis, rough, that, I, I think that was by far the best offensive team we ever had here. Uh, we were just phenomenal. Um, the 2010 team was the year that we lost Danny Gano. And that was the one year I felt pressure as a coach. And it wasn't pressure from the outside. It was pressure internally to – because these kids wanted to win so badly. And just – it was just such a – and we had – Danny's dad, Jeff, was right. working with us. He was a great guy. And he was so good to those boys. And for me, it wasn't – no one told me we had to be state champions. But I just felt that for us to be successful, we had to – do it uh, and I put a lot of pressure on myself I worked my tail off that year uh, we worked the kids tails off and they responded and, and that was probably a very one of the most rewarding things I've ever been involved with in coaching yeah well, obviously it must have been good having 
Jeff yeah. around. He he rode to us for a couple of games and what a what a character he was. Oh, he was funny. He is. I, him and Matt Cobras uh, coached AU together, so you can imagine how that went. Yeah. And I was at one of the tournaments, and Jeff got ejected. And yeah. The referee, the referee <laughs> came over and said, "I'm not only kicking you out of this gym, but he goes, if I could kick you out of the state of Maine right now, I would." Yeah. Yeah. And that's Jeff. I mean, the woman used to love him. I remember one game he broke my glasses before the game, and he didn't dare to tell me. So he like ran all around town, ended up going to like the Rite Aid and a home wherever to get a glasses recap it. Uh, repair kit, and then he had all the other coaches stall me. Hey, Jim, come look at this. Hey, Jim, come look at this. <laughs> Jeff is a great, great guy. So that's going to take me to, to the Rivals um, yeah. documentary. Um, when you first heard about this, were you receptive at Radoff, or was there something that said, well, wait a minute, were there any red flags like, you know, oh. is this going to be a, a good thing, or, I mean, I don't want to get myself in any kind of trouble. Yeah, I, um, I wasn't receptive. The school really was, because mm-hmm. you know they came up here and they talked to the principal. Oh, yeah. oh we're going to make this about this school and this is going to be so great for your community. And I was kind of skeptical, but um, I warmed up to it after a while. I kind of looked at the co- group of kids we had coming back that year. And they were real high quality character kids. I wasn't worried about them getting in trouble. That was my biggest concern. I didn't even care how we did. I just didn't want the kids to look like a bunch of goofballs mm-hmm. or a bunch of, you know poorly behaved kids and then they were just high quality kids so I knew we'd be okay um, and then after a while we just kind of got used to them they'd sent the same guy up all the time he was a young guy named Dan Seitz and um, he just became he was around so much we just kind of forgot he, yeah. what he was there for he just kind of became a friend to a lot of the kids so overall happy with the final product the way it all came out I'm glad we won yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably hate the film if we yeah. hadn't um, yeah, again, I thought it was a lot of pressure sometimes for the kids, so I'd try to act like a total jerk to take the pressure off them so that people could hate me instead of us. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was fine. Um, would I do it again? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, well, I've watched the movie quite a few times, and especially the first time, that just the way you give your motivational speech, uh, speeches is just better than anybody I've ever seen before. I wanted to run through a brick wall after watching <laughs> the movie. Now, does... In the heat of the moment, with the cameras on you. Did you did you ever think, oh, maybe, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that? Well, no, because I knew they'd cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't live. Yeah. <laughs> if it had been a live feed, um, yeah, no, I, I, I am what I am, and I think anyone who ever played for me and the people you talk to, uh, I am what I am. I mean, I love what I'm doing. I'm passionate. I want your attention. Uh, if I'm coaching you, I want you listening. If we're playing, I want your full attention there, um, and I just. Yeah, I, I wasn't really worried about how I behaved because I know what kind of a jerk I really was as a coach. I, I, I listened. I'd go home sometimes, but I can't believe I said that. <laughs> so your last year at, at Mount Valley was 13? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, what led to the departure of Mount Valley was, you know, the talent pool and success record-wise started to decline a little bit. Yeah. Did you just need a rejuvenation, a new, a, a, um, a new challenge? Or? Ryan, I had actually decided I wasn't going to come back. I was going to retire. Um, and I actually wanted to retire a year or two before. And after talking to Gary Dolliff, we had a meeting one day with myself, Gary Dolliff, the athletic director and the superintendent. And we kept talking about this idea of petitioning up, okay? Meaning playing above your enrollment. And we kind of knew that we should do it, but there was going to be a huge cliff that we were going to face in a couple years. I made sure I stayed for the cliff. The cliff was 2013. I didn't want anyone to come in as a new coach and go one and seven. 
right. uh, the writing was on the wall. Gary, Gary looked at me right in the face and said, Jim, you're going to hit a cliff and you're, we're going to free fall. Because uh, he had been the middle school right. coach forever. So he knew that. And we all kind of knew it. So I, I hung around for that, and then I was just, I figured, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire. And just as I was getting ready to, re, you know, the season had ended, the Mount Blue job opened up. And um, I live down by Right. It's, it's, I'm, it's, I'm six miles from Mount Blue High School. I'm 23 miles from Mountain Valley High School where I live. And so I went over, and they have this brand-new school. They have this brand-new football stadium. And I said, all right, I'm going to start asking questions. And I went over and I met a young guy named Kevin Averill, who's still an assistant there. And he was just this young, enthusiastic guy. And they needed a change there. Gary had, had re- retired, and, you know, like a lot of schools, you have guys that have been in the program. And they wanted a change. So I threw my hat in the ring, figured I'd never really gotten out of my comfort zone. It was just one of those It was... For me, I had to get out of my comfort zone. You know, I tell kids for 25 years, you know, be the best you can be. I'm coaching in my hometown. I take, a, I take out a playbook. I take white out. I cross out 1998, and I put in 1999. That's real. That's way out of your comfort zone, huh? So I went there, and uh, after the third year, I had some heart issues, uh, which I'm fine now. They actually found I had one. And, uh, <laughs> so I had a couple of quick surgeries, and I feel great, and... But it was then I realized that I, I've been doing this a long time. You know, everything has a shelf life, and you, you kind of know. Yeah. And after the third year there, I was like, I want, I, I want to step back. Yeah. That's one thing uh, Dave Wing always said. When he got done at Oak Hill before Stason Doucette took over, is yeah. one thing he said, he goes, I'm not going to leave the well dry for you. I'm, I'm going to leave yeah. something there for you. Yeah. And he said, even if it would have been on the other end, I would have made sure I was there for the big fall and not yeah. had somebody come in to... Yeah. Which is the, the right thing to do, I think. And I felt that year, the 2013, I, I really, we knew it was coming. Okay, I wasn't surprised by it. We were fully braced, and I just did not want a new coach. That, that would have been so unfair. Right. You know, okay, there's this guy who, his record looks great, then all of a sudden, but I, I knew it, was, it wasn't anything to do with the coaching, it was just the, the reality of where we were at at that time. Our enrollment was dropping. Uh, we had a couple of real lean classes in a row, and we were petitioning up. Now, you took over at Mont Blue, but you still were employed here at Mont Valley High School. Here. Was it was that weird for you? Would that, was it different? Um, or? First year, the kids were really mad at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there were some kids, you know, especially the senior class. They they weren't happy. Okay, and once they realized that, you know, I still cared about them and. Things got better, uh, but the first year, yeah, seniors weren't real happy with me. <laughs> what drove Jim Elwood to coach as long as you did, especially in, I mean, in your hometown? I mean, was it just pure love of the game? Was it the kids, the community? Was it success? Um, a lot of the, all of those. All of the above, um, yeah. A lot of it was football's a really tough game. And when I was a kid, I thought all football coaches had to be some flaming jerk who, who just, you know. And then I realized as I got to know other coaches around the state that we're all trying to do the same thing. We're just trying to help young men become successful in a game that I think is incredibly uh, unique and it's teamwork and it's reliance on teamwork. And um, I just always love being a part of that. I, and I think a lot of us like being part of a team. I love being part of a team. Right. Yeah. 
So we're going to get into some uh, fun stuff now. Okay. Um, first of all, first question is not really fun, but you know, I think it's important. Um, 25 years plus years, was it 25 here at Mount Valley? 25, 25. at Mount Valley. So importance with the relationships that you had with your assistant coaches, because you did have that core of Steve LeBoyne, Ricky White, yeah. uh, Ryan Casey for, for a lot of years. Kind yeah. of talk about that a little bit. How well, that was awesome. I mean, we, we spoke the same language. It got to the point where Ricky and I could finish each other's sentences. <laughs> it's like we were a married couple and we fought like a married couple. Oh, my God. I would Some of the worst things I ever said to a human being in my life were to Ricky White. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the guy. But, um, yeah, we just had a great working relationship. We all had different skill sets. You know, you knew that, you know, Ryan could do this, Ricky could do this, Steve could do this. We all had these things that it was just really interesting, and we we were so familiar with each other. We never spent a lot of time disagreeing. Right. You know, it just was amazing in the fact that, you know, we'd have a conversation, and within 10 minutes we'd come to a consensus, and then we'd move forward. It It was really... I thought special. Um, the continuity was, you know, for kids and for anybody, just to have the same routine and the same people in the same places, I thought was key. So I was told to ask you about some uh, uh, scouting trips to uh, Kennebunk and Wells. Uh, yep. Coach LaPointe said that um, Ricky White could uh, put some food away. Yes, he could. Uh, we'd go to the all-you-can-eat bar at uh, different <laughs> places. Uh, that man taught me a lot about eating. He, uh, he could pace himself. Uh, he could eat uh, three meals at once, so he didn't have to go back for another one. And he'd wash it down with a Snickers bar. That was that's true. Uh, we used to have a great time scouting together. We we liked hanging around. We'd uh, we'd go to Kennebunk, and of course, you know, we're we're boys and we're goofing around, and we think we're all that. Yeah, we actually got in trouble a couple times. Nothing too bad. <laughs> I don't think anyone was arrested. I won't mention people's names, but um, yeah, we had a great time. We just loved football, and we loved what we were doing. Yeah, speaking of getting in trouble, I'll tell a quick story. Um, took my mother-in-law's van to Cape Elizabeth one year. This is, I believe it was after the documentary, because Jeff Gano went with us, Howie Ruff went with us, Oh boy. Mike Brunick, and Aaron Perot rode with us. He was the trainer at the time. Yeah. And we drive into Cape Elizabeth, and there's this... Cape Elizabeth helmet, and it's got a Cape Elizabeth jersey on it, and the head is like a soccer ball, and game time today, and pull the van over, how he says. I'm thinking, what the hell is he doing? So I pulled the van over. Him and him and Cat get out of the van, <laughs> and they run, and they grab the pole, they grab the whole thing. Yeah. And they bring it to the van and put it in and say, go. We're like, we're going to Cape Elizabeth right now. We're going to have this thing in the van. I mean, it has tinted windows, but what are you yeah. thinking? And Aaron's crapping his pants, of course, because he's a trainer. He's like, oh, no. So yeah, we, we returned that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I brought it down to hospital. I put it on Kate's side, and it was that cat's house for quite a while. Yeah. That, that was a fun. Did trip. you guys hold any? Was there ransom for it, or you no? Know, uh, uh, probably should have. Yeah, could have bought it. Yeah. We gave put a whiskey bottle in his hand. And <laughs> yeah, take whiskey shotgun. shotgun yeah. <laughs> Good. So what exactly? Uh, we, we talked a little about about Rick White, and what what are Rickyisms? Oh, Rick. Oh, Rickyisms are when you slaughter the English language uh, with with great sayings. Um, I think one of my favorites was uh, he was parting the Red Sea like Noah. No, no, what was it? No, yeah, they're, they're parting the Red Sea like Noah. And the kid raised his hand, but Noah didn't part the Red Sea. That was Moses. Like, that was that one. And he he could throw an er on the end of anything like pregnant or it was just. Always interesting. The kids thought it was great. The kids just loved him. He was funny, good guy, big heart, silly guy. 
in 25 years of coaching, is there any, I'm not sure how to ask this question, so I'm gonna tell you what mine is in my 16 years of coaching that might help you. Yep. Bizarre story that has stuck with you, that you just, a story that you have to tell whenever you get together with people. Mine is 2013, I had this kid come try out for baseball, and I feared he was gonna get hurt. It was that bad. Right. And he didn't really have a great home life, and I felt bad. So after practice, I got with my assistants, I said, you know, this kid's gonna get hurt. So I called my AD, I said, can you come to my practice tomorrow? Um, I go, you take a look at this kid. I'm like, I've never cut a kid, and right. I don't know what to do. So athletic director comes and watches the practice, and we get together afterwards. He's like, yeah, he goes, this kid's going to get hurt. We're going to have to let him go. He goes, any parent complaints, they can come to you, then they can come to me. So I'm trying to think how I'm supposed to tell the kids that he's the only one that's going to be cut. So I brought everybody into the locker room, and I told everybody who made it, and that I figured I'd do it that way, and just totally left his name out of it, and... Maybe the people wouldn't realize it, but he would. So I left the locker room, and the uh, assistant coaches and I are outside the locker room. We're talking, and out he comes, and beelines it right for us. I thought, oh, boy, here we go. So Bob McPhee already starts laughing. You know how he can be. Oh, yeah. So the kid comes over. He puts his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, I just wanted to thank you for cutting me, coach. I kind of looked at him, looked at my assistants. We're like, what's going on here? He goes, my parents told me I couldn't sit around and do nothing and that I had to at least try out for a sport. Nice. He, goes, he goes, I know track doesn't cut. And he goes, I'm pretty good at tennis. So I figured the best chance for me to get cut was to try out for baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed. I thought, wow. Yeah. Is there anything, I mean, not quite like that, but any bizarre things that have happened with kids over the years that's just uh, funny? I mean, a lot of little things. I, when I was at Mount Blue my last year, I had a mother who was mad at me because I wouldn't let her son play because he forged a uh, signature at school. So I was out doing the handshake before the game with the coaches and the captains from the, from Coney. The mother comes right out in the middle of it to talk to me. I'm like, holy crap. That was, that was fun. Um, yeah, that was really good. Then there was also the time we used to have wired uh, headsets, and now everything's wireless. And I'd, tie it to my pants and stuff and all this and the kid came off the sidelines one time and took my headset right off <laughs> tore my pants right off my body <laughs> literally I'm standing there in my underwear like yeah this is great yeah, so, little things like that goofy stuff the day I got run over by the seven man sled and broke my arm that, yeah. that happened yeah so like I said before the, the, the king at giving speeches and, and the king at one liners in my opinion does that just come within or do you ever like lay in bed at night and think what am I going to say to this team to motivate them the next day Oh, I never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm just a natural storyteller. I grew up in a big family where you had to talk a lot to get your to get your opinions heard. and um, My whole family is a little chatty. so yeah. I'm just passionate. I, I love the game. I love being ready. Uh, I love having, you know, just to look. When you knew kids like I, Ryan Casey, for example, played for me. I'd start a pregame speech, Ryan Casey's helmet would be on, his mouthpiece would be in his mouth. How do you not be motivated to keep going when you look around and you see this kid's like drooling through his mouthpiece that's already in his, you know, it's like, we had, kid, we had kids who loved the game of football yeah. here at Mountain Valley. So your speeches seem to, the ones that I've heard and of course the ones that you of course heard in the Rivals movie, you seem to always tie in the kids' hobbies, whether it be hunting or fishing, and my absolute favorite one was in one of the trailers of The Rivals, but it never made it into the movie, and that pissed me off because I thought that was great. And it was when you were talking to the boys about fishing and getting the, the fish in the boat. It was Travis Ruff's birthday. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, stomping on the fish in the boat, and it just, like, 
my blood started boiling. Yeah. And I was just uh, you got to awesome. know your kids. And, and, and those are great kids. And that's what they love. That's what, Travis Ruff would probably climb Mount Everest if he thought there was a trout pond on top of it. You know, so you, if you know your kids and you relate to them, uh, boy, it just makes the whole thing more enjoyable. Those are great kids. I had some, I have great, great memories of kids. You know, I can, I remember all the scores, but I remember more moments with kids. Like yeah. a kid like Joe Bedard. I coached Joe Bedard. I've never had more fun coaching someone in my life than Joe Bedard. What a funny, funny human being. Um, of course, you don't tell the kids this at the time, but you know, you're, you're stirring with them, and then they leave, and you laugh your ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody like uh, it was Aaron Arsenal too. Everything going against them, he was what maybe five feet tall, maybe, and played. Yeah, he was a helmet that met feet. There was yeah. basically not much in between. Yeah, no, just terrific. And you know, I have great memories of families, the Fagola boys and the Melanson boys, and you know, it's just spouse kisses. It just was. Great. It's a family thing, and uh, it was really special. So we're going to end with uh, the story that's, that is my absolute favorite. Of course, in, in 2004, you went down to New York, and you got beat the first uh, first game of the year by a pretty good margin, I believe, if you had under 100 yards of total offense. Yeah, that we day. were terrible. Yeah. And uh, so let's uh, talk about what happened after the game. Well, you uh, decided was, to, uh, you told the boys that you were taking the box truck home and you are driving into the ocean. Yep, I did. We had this equipment <laughs> truck, so I decided that I was going to drive the truck home because I really didn't have any much nice to say. And I thought I'd be alone, so Ryan Casey, who loves a good challenge, decided to come with me. And uh, so we we took off from York High School, and we got about halfway towards Auburn on the main turnpike, and we were right between the 11 miles of exits, smack in the middle. And we run out of gas, so we pull over. And first of all, we can't even have anyone help us because there's a lock on the gas tank, and we can't get it off because we have no key. So Ryan and I decide we have to go walking back to the last exit we passed, which was about three or four miles. And I'll never forget this. You know, we're still what I used to call my coaching costume. You know, we're, we're still in our coaching costumes. And we're walking down the turnpike, okay, and the t- facing traffic. And Ryan says, hey, Jim, this, someone's got to be coming from Rumford. They'll, they're going to recognize us. And I said, did you watch us play, Ryan? Because if I saw us walking down the turnpike, I'd be the last person I'd stop for. Or after watching you play, who in their right mind stayed for the whole game? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, he, he, we eventually walked up. We, we ended up getting an old man, I know, it feel really good to like this 90 year old man who comes down with a little crowbar, whoops off the gas tank for us, chucks a little gas in, we get gas. We, I, as soon as that gas cap, the old man took off, I took the gas cap, threw it in the woods. I think I swore straight the whole... I think Ryan was either... He was petrified. <laughs> I think he thought I was going to kill us both. <laughs> I mean, that whole story, that that suck after a win, let alone after week oh, one getting killed. Oh, and it was terrible. Um, like I said, but when he said to me, hey, someone will recognize us and stop, I was like, stop for us right now. Oh, that might run us over, but I thought we stunk that night. Yeah, we should have We should have probably had to walk the whole way to Rumford. Yeah. So the final question I, uh, I'll ask is, um, from coaching football, is the door completely closed, or do we have a, is it um, open a little bit, or if the right? I'd help out. Yeah. I don't ever want to do it full-time. Uh, I'm like Brett Favre. I, I miss Friday nights. I don't want to go to practice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but if you know down the road, 
I'd like to give back. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably not even high school level, youth, middle right. school, just some way, figure some way to give back. The game gave me a lot, and um, but as far as any, yeah, I don't ever want to be, I don't want to be Pat Mooney, how's that? <laughs> I love Pat, I'm proud of Pat, I'm so happy um, for him. You know, he's he reminds me a lot of me as a young coach. Uh, he wakes up every morning and it's like Christmas to him yeah. because he's the head football coach at Mount Valley High School. And that makes me very, very happy. I coached Pat. And not only Patty, a couple other youth players too. John Perry, Devin Roberts. You know, I mean, to see these guys want to give back to the program and know how hard they work and how much fun they're having doing it, that makes me feel awesome. Jim, I appreciate a few minutes, and uh, best of luck with everything going forward. All right, thanks.